0: You're listening to the Autism in Action podcast, the place for families all across America to connect with autism resources, services, and support. I'm your host, Tasha Rollins, licensed professional counselor associate, private practice owner, boy mom, autism advocate, published author, and autism parenting coach. I help families learn to advocate and navigate through the world of autism. Each week, you'll have a chance to listen in to other autism experts and learn about additional resources. Let's embrace the idea there's more to autism than we know, and there's always, always hope. With the internet at our fingertips, there's no excuse for families not to receive the services they need. This podcast will help bridge the gap of missing information and services for autism all across America. Hey guys, Tasha Rollins here. I just wanted to come on real quick and let you guys know we have got our website up and running, www.tasharollins.com, and that is spelled T-O-S-H-A-R-O-L-L-I-N-S. So www.tasharollins.com, and here you're going to find all the episodes to the Autism in Action podcast, some additional resources, we've started a blog to kind of throw out some interesting reads and um, really truthfully if you guys can also check out the autism in action facebook group that would be great join that group you're going to get all kind of amazing articles from all of our featured guests that are shared into one spot so you can find everything that you're looking for in one place if you need to reach me please feel free to send me an email Tasha D. Rollins at gmail.com with any questions, please make sure that in the subject line you put autism in action podcast. Um, and that way I will know to, to make sure that uh, we get a, get a reply back to you guys. Um, if you're on social media on Facebook or Instagram LinkedIn, please share our podcast episodes. That just helps us grow our mission and help Families all across America connect with the services, resources, and support that they need. And when you do that, use hashtag Autism in Our new book is available on Amazon, Autism Unspoken Until Now. It's a collection, an emotional collection of memoirs from moms to moms with children on the spectrum. We are looking for sponsors, guys. We need your help. We want to go to the 2020 Converge Autism Conference that's taking place locally here in Greenville, South Carolina in April please consider helping us grow our mission of helping families connect with resources, services, and support by making a monthly sponsorship for this podcast. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll get back to our scheduled interview. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Autism in Action podcast. Today, we have another very special guest for you. We have got Dr. Lazaro with LeCoup Psychiatry out of Tampa, Florida. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today.
1: Thanks so much, Tosh. I appreciate you having me here.
0: Well, I am so excited to learn all about your personal journey in autism and why it's so um, special, you know, how it's affected your psychiatry uh, professional life.
1: Sure. Do you want me to just begin?
0: Yes. Well, it all
1: started with um, the fact that, you know, having a psychiatry practice and being a medical doctor, you know, it, it took me a lot longer to start a family. And um, so by the age of 40, I had my first set of twins and that was IVF. I did IVF and, um, you know, we had done genetic testing and, and all of that. So we didn't really, I didn't really anticipate any issues. Um, We found out essentially at age two, my oldest daughter, Sammy, um, she started displaying signs of regression and I wasn't exactly sure, even as a psychiatrist, what that was. I actually thought it was just some growing pains. I was actually going through my second course of IVF by that time. So I just thought it was because I was gone that it caused her, because I was very close to her. She had a lot of problems when she was born. They were in the NICU for a month after they were born. And um, she had a bunch of GI problems. She had bradycardia, which is a slow heart rate. And she also had problems with reflux pretty badly to where she was on a monitor for about a pulmonary monitor and a cardiac monitor for about six months after, you know, after she was born. Mm -hmm. So I was just much closer to her because we did have twins and I took care of her because she had all these medical issues. And my husband took care of my other daughter, Marigold and so I just figured because I was gone for the first time in their life to do IVF again, because I was doing it remotely in Colorado, that then I thought that was the reason why she started regressing. I just thought that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But then when I came back, it was, you know, it, it continued to happen. It was, and it, it was everything from her eating everything normally to then like only eating certain types of foods um she went from like reading as her favorite pastime to like throwing the books away um she um she just wouldn't talk anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, that was like a big thing for me because she was a very big talker um so i really didn't know what was going on but i knew something was going on but i didn't really know what it was and then i thought it was anxiety because she always had anxiety even in utero And that's something I talk with patients about all the time. Like, tell me about how your child was in utero, if you can remember.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: Sammy was always moving around. And I just figured that it was just anxiety was the next thing I thought it was. Because she did have a lot of particular behaviors. She was very OCD. She would touch things over and over again. She was, you know, like sleep was very difficult for her. Um, I had to like rock her for like three hours at night to get her to go to bed, like all these kind of things. Like it just started magnifying it just, and then the gap between her and her sister Marigold seemed to widen mm-hmm. in terms of developmentally. So I, I was concerned. So of course I went to the pediatrician at her normal appointment <clears throat> and asked him about it. And he really was just like, you're a psychiatrist and you're crazy. <laughs> Basically your daughter is fine. Uh, Her sister is, is just more talkative and they're just balancing each other out because they're twins and everything is fine. Mm -hmm. So I took it at that and I just took Yeah, I am a little crazy. I guess I'm obsessed with this kid and I want to make sure she's okay. So just time went on and she would do things, but developmentally, she was just a little bit, little bit later like walking crawling all of that she was a little bit later than marigold and you know for me you can see because you have a twin there so you can sort of really see the differences yes and i'm glad about that because really if if i didn't have them as twins i would have thought i did something wrong in my pregnancy with sammy than i did with mary so i'm very happy that they were twins and i could just lay my brain to rest on that um and then by age three um, she went to the, you know, went to the pediatrician, get her normal checkup. And finally, now I brought this up. I brought it up every time we went, you know, we had to go for normal vaccines. I brought up things that I was going on and he was just like, you are, you know, she's very social. She's looking at me like she says stuff, you know, it just may not be what you want it to be, but she's fine. And then when he laid her down to do the cardiac exam on her, she startled. And he mm. said, oh, she's not supposed to have that reflex. That's a primitive reflex that she still has. And that's not developmentally normal. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that legitimized what I had been saying like for the past three years. Wow. And um, so that was very upsetting to me because by this time, and I'm sure you're aware and many other people are aware that deal with autism, at least in Florida, you know, the the state programs for school and stuff they sort of end at right before three years old Mm -hmm. If they are not diagnosed with anything or or subject of clinical concern before age three the state sort of says okay well you handle it you know and and that's basically what ended up happening with sammy uh luckily i have some colleagues uh, obviously that are psychiatrists and i literally brought her into every single person Mm -hmm. that i knew to try to tell me what is going on with her. I really didn't know. And as even as a psychiatrist, I really didn't know because I'd never seen it that young. Like all the patients I had seen were all older, like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, up to twenties is when I was seeing it. So I never saw like how it really developed. Yes. Um, And so, you know, she went, she was evaluated um by one of my colleagues and then he said everything's fine with her like again you're crazy um or you trained everything out of her e- to make her have a diagnosis either she has a diagnosis and you keep training these things out of her or she doesn't have a diagnosis that we can say and she's just developmentally delayed okay and so then you know i then took her into a program called early steps and i don't know if that's the same everywhere but i took her into, and it's basically a mass Bunch of kids that have all different weird things, and you know, people are saying whether or not they have a diagnosable issue mm-hmm. through the school system. So they identified that there was an issue with Sammy pretty much right away, and but she was already aged out of the program. But they did put her in like an early kinder, not kindergarten, but even a pre 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 K class. Okay, which I was very scared about because I she didn't speak. To the point where she could communicate with me if something was wrong, like that was what was really worrying me. If somebody touched her or something like that, which I'm sure right those issues, I was afraid she wouldn't tell me. She wouldn't be able to tell me if somebody hurt her or if she got hurt. So I was really scared about it. But the speech therapist, because by this time I had her in speech therapy, occupational therapy, I was trying to do everything that I thought I could do, and they all encouraged me to have her in school. They said she's going to do way better, and they were exactly right. After I got over the fear of her going then yes. it, was, it was better for me. But still, she had a lot of issues, you know, self-harm behaviors was another big one for Sammy.
0: Did and you head bang?
1: Yes, but it was like, not like, you know, not a typical head banging. It was more like, and that's another issue why people like thought that, you know, Sammy really didn't have an issue because they felt like more of it was personality based, mm-hmm. not like disorder based because it would only occur during situations. But I mean, it's, it, was, it was obvious that it was a problem. I mean, the very first week of school, they allowed me to take her into class. They wouldn't allow normal kids, but they allowed me because I told them that she's gonna hurt herself,
0: because mm-hmm. she was
1: because it was like concrete on the way to class. Well, I knew she was gonna fall on the ground. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you're an overly cautious parent, you know? And sure enough, she did. So the first time ever in the history of the school, they allowed me to take her to class the first week because she was bruised from head to toe from the first day of school.
0: Yeah. So,
1: but after that, I mean, she really, she really did well. She really excelled from there. And, um, you know, I'm just now she's five. She's she just turned five in uh, November, and she's about to start kindergarten. So I'm in that kind of sort of phase where I'm trying to figure out what the next thing is. You know, she has an IEP. I'm going through all those steps, and that's a whole other frustration because (laughs) the issue with school. So I didn't realize like how much of a pushback I was going to get for just saying that my daughter has these issues and she needs help. I didn't think that people were going to be against me. I thought of course they're going to want my kid to have all these things but that is exactly not what's happening. So that's been my struggle now, just sort of like, that's another thing as we had talked about earlier, Tasha, like, I think that's helped me to understand parents because I, I never understood that frustration before, because I just assume like most other people assume that the school system had my daughter's best interest in mind, but that really, and they may, but they want to do it within their parameters of what they feel like she needs, even though all of her doctors and every therapist says she needs these certain things. So that's right. my hurdle that I'm overcoming right now is not, I don't want to say it that way, but not strangling somebody in an IEP meeting because that's where I'm at with that. Yes. So I, I've been having that issue. <laughs> that's my biggest, um, you know, my biggest challenge with her right now, as far as like organized things are concerned is the IEP process and the school system.
0: I don't know if it's uh, available in Florida. I know here in South Carolina, we have an agency called the South Carolina Autism Society. And I do think that the Autism Society is nationwide. So you might want to look into that if you haven't. But they do here, I know, offer parent liaisons that go, will attend the IEP meetings with you and um, help you in that arena.
1: Yes. Well, I have I've found out about that since. Yeah, you're right. And, and um, I didn't realize that all of her providers could come to the meetings, and so now mm-hmm. they all come. I, I I always check the box like that they didn't um, not allow somebody to come, but I said, who else would be coming? But now I know, right,
0: right, why other people would come. But mm-hmm. at
1: the time when I very first started this, I literally had no idea why would anybody else want to come to my daughter's meeting,
0: right? But yes. at
1: the time, I was very naive about the process.
0: And there is such a learning curve here. And I think that your, your story is just so powerful. And you know, there, there are so many reasons why us as moms and even dads out there need to share their stories, you know, their personal journeys in autism and also something else that you were talking about a while ago, that's very important. And that's really, you know, you are your child's best advocate in every scenario, whether it be healthcare, whether it be the educational system, you know, you are your child's best advocate and you know best. You know, you do. So um, just going with your gut and not giving up like you didn't. You kept on going. You kept making sure that she was seeking the services that she needed um, with your colleagues and the other professionals that that you had on board with the therapist and whatnot. So it's very, very important um, for parents to be able to advocate in that way. And if they don't know, keep going until you find out. Yeah. Absolutely. So how has this journey Uh, in autism affected you in your professional journey I know you kind of touched on that just a few moments ago with um, parents dealing with parents
1: and I think also um, you know I think just the world in general although I think people understand what autism is on some level they understand that it's there's a problem but they don't understand like what the actual problem is um, and that's one thing that I'm definitely as we talked about earlier, you know, I, I actually have a case coming up a forensic case Um, where one of the where the where the defendant is is autistic and how does that? That that you know that lens How does how do they see the, How does that impact? You know the decisions that they make And are they competent to make those decisions? That's a whole other thing that I just find very fascinating about this because most people don't understand that autism has, you know, normal IQ and, and, all that. They don't really understand that. And this particular case, I mean, this guy is pretty incredible. Like how he's picked up, you know, as you know, you know, a lot of times they'll pick up on one item and they're very good at that and he's mm-hmm. great at the law and he will go into any business and, um, point out their flaws and then like want want the legal system to intervene so that that is the the question now is he competent to do that and they're asking me to to evaluate him to see whether or not he's competent because if he's not competent he's not responsible for these these actions that he's doing but if he is competent then he's going to become responsible for these in a legal way which is right so um you know i just i just think this is a good time for us um, in, in terms of autism, in terms of just the knowledge. And I think that, you know, people like you and um, to speak out about this um, disorder, or I don't even know if, you, well, it is a disorder, um, you know, to, to educate others about it. I think it's really key to help other people under, understand the illness and then in, help them to integrate into Um, You know just just the everyday life work life relationships and that kind of thing I think once people get their brain around it. I think it's really going to help so professionally that certainly helped uh, Me um, with patients and and otherwise
0: Well again, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share your journey today and share your story Where can um, people reach out to you if they're interested in in, uh, getting more information about what you offer out in Tampa, Florida?
1: Well, I have a business uh, website. It's www.lacoop, and that's spelled L-A-C-O-O-P-PA.com. I also have a Facebook page with the same name, Lacoop PA General and Forensic Psychiatry. so They can find me there.
0: And again, you treat individuals, um, what's the age bracket? that you treat
1: I treat everybody from you know children my youngest patients eight up into the 70s or 80s I mean I don't really have an age limit uh it's more of a younger younger side but certainly obviously I can can treat children all the way through adults
0: awesome well again thank you so much for taking time to be here and share all this amazing insight with the autism in action podcast and all of our listeners
1: thanks so much Tasha I appreciate it
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Autism in Action podcast. For show notes, more information, and downloads, head on over to TashaRollins.com and join the Autism in Action Facebook group to stay connected. Please leave a review on iTunes and help spread awareness on social by sharing this episode.